Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. No decision on Roe v. Wade today. Supreme Court not letting loose that information, that decision. A mistake? Absolutely. Because the violence is only growing. You've got a group of people that want to surround the Supreme Court. It's called Shutdown DC. That's the name of the group, shutdowndc.org. And they want to shut down SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States. So they want to surround the streets, block the streets around the Supreme Court, quote, to rise up for the transformative change that our communities need. Ah, well then, that's not a problem. I mean, it's pretty damn insurrectiony, but it's not a problem, right? All these people want to do is uh, take uh, to the streets, have control of the streets, and then if a decision comes out they don't like, I, I got to assume, uh, uh, go right after the Supreme Court. I mean, why else are you blocking the streets? What else is the purpose? It's, it's to intimidate, right? It's to intimidate and to frighten and to try and get your way, uh, and you don't believe in the rule of law. You believe that a couple of, of radicals who shut down the street should have total control of everything. And I believe this is why God made snowplows. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it is so good to be with you. 833 got 833-468-8669. This is not the only thing going on out there in, in the world. Oh, the whole conversation's on a possible gun deal. Cam Edwards over there at Bearing Arms, he's scheduled to be with us in a little bit to break this down. It's an interesting, it's an interesting conversation to the idea of a deal um, because it has 10 Republican senators in support. I think when a vote comes, it could get more. The problem is we're all basing it on a conversation of what it means as opposed to the details of what's in there. More money for mental health services? That's fine. Money to expand red flag laws? What does that actually mean? Will will the idea of mental health services go along with red flag laws? Red flag laws state that someone can be adjudicated mentally unfit and not be able to have a firearm. Their rights are taken away from them. When do they get their rights back? What if it was done improperly? Somebody had asked me, well, what if uh, you're lying about somebody? What if you're lying about them to get their rights taken away? Uh, you do 10 years in jail. How do you prove that? Producer Ari has uh, me adjudicated mentally unfit or goes, someone says, I think Tony Katz is going to do damage to someone. I lose my gun rights. How long does it take me to get them back? How do I prove that he wasn't actually in fear? The problem with red flag laws is that they get abused. I favor the concept, but once you see it in use, it cannot be favored. Then there's the whole idea that we're going to somehow keep someone from having their rights, but we're not going to do anything to help them with their mental health that caused us to take away their rights. Right? If, if, if you tell me that you are going to give money to expand red flag laws in states, but you're not going to say that red flag laws is coupled with mental health services because you're going to leave somebody with uh, the ability to hurt themselves with a knife or somebody else with a knife or with a, with a car or with something else, and you tell me, oh, with a car, nine people got run over in Los Angeles over the weekend. 
the uh, driver. The driver claimed that he saw somebody with a gun and it startled him and he ran nine people over. As opposed to what happened in, in, in Waukesha, where a guy purposely targeted a parade wanting to kill as many white people as possible. But no one talks about this black supremacist. We forget that this black supremacist exists and he went out to kill white people. Just like we saw the guy in Buffalo set out to kill black people. But I guess when you do it with a gun, it's 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 somehow worse than when you do it with a car. Because no one ever says we should go after the, uh, the car manufacturers. Oh, I'll get into a conversation uh, about that coming up in a little bit. But the not giving the decision, not putting it out today... Uh, it, it's it's clear that John Roberts is just, uh, he, he may have a knowledge of the Constitution. He has no knowledge of what's going on around him. He has so have been so aggressive in trying to not make the court political. All he has done is make the court political. He has death threats against justices. And he isn't releasing the ruling yet? Why not? Why not? You release it, you get it out there, you get this done and finished. Right now you have more and more threats against Supreme Court justices. You have someone trying to kill Brett Kavanaugh, ABC, NBC, CBS, and CNN have spent zero minutes on the subject. Zero. ABC, on the Sunday shows this weekend, all the Sunday shows, ABC, 19 minutes and 11 seconds on January 6th, zero minutes, zero seconds on Brett Kavanaugh uh, and the attempted assassination. CBS, 19 minutes and 31 seconds on January 6th. Zero minutes and zero seconds on Brett Kavanaugh. NBC, 36 minutes and 25 seconds on their Sunday shows on Meet the Press on January 6th. Zero minutes, zero seconds on the attempted murder of Brett Kavanaugh. A guy went to go kill Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, that's what he did. CNN, 18 minutes and 10 seconds on January 6th. On their Sunday show, zero minutes, zero seconds on Brett Kavanaugh. You wonder why people don't trust the media? I don't know. How's that for you? That that whole uh, uh, little bit of uh, data. You're not going to talk about the attempted a killing of a Supreme Court justice? You're not news organizations. I think it was uh, Bill Maher uh, on his show talking about this. That the New York Times didn't cover it. No, of course the New York Times didn't cover it. Thank goodness you're paying attention, Bill. I mean, I got to admit, I, I, I appreciate you paying attention. We need more people paying attention. But of course, they're not in the business of news. They're in the business of narrative. That's what they're in the business of. Bill Maher discussing how they wear their biases on the sleeve. And if it's not part of something that feeds our narrative blanket, we bury it. That's the New York Times. 
That's who they are. They're not a newspaper. They're a narrative-seeking organization. That's who they are. I think your point, and I, the point I would agree with is, the New York Times buried this. Yeah, it was like if a this had been below the fold. If this had been a liberal Supreme Court justice that someone came to kill, it would, have been on the, it would have been on the front page. Any question? Any doubt? Anything you didn't hear directly here? This is a story. No talk about it. Instead, I've got another hearing about January 6th. I got Chris Steyerwalt as, as, as a witness. Chris Steyerwalt, formerly of Fox News, now with News Nation, politics editor. I've had him on the show. I like the dude. I just think he screwed up the coverage. I was never going to ask the man to lie and pretend that Arizona was going any other way than it was. But there were questions being asked about Arizona. Could have noted. Fox was very quick to cover, to to call states for Biden and very slow to call states for Trump. I, I mean, I watched it. I watched it happen. I watched it break down. Now, I don't think that Steyerwalt was... Um, uh, what's the word uh, I'm looking for? Subpoenaed. I didn't think he he was subpoenaed. I think he uh, I think he was asked it and he and he said yes. I'm not quite sure it was a smart thing to go in front of the committee and do that. I I really and truly don't. Unless your plan was to stick it to Fox, which is dumb. <laughs> I think sticking it to people is dumb. Just go do your work. That's all you got to do. By the way, the January 6th committee hearing is still going on. Oh, yeah, they're they're entering the chambers for a second time. They've got more people to ask questions of. I'm, I'm just surprised they're not doing this one prime time either. No prime time for them on this. Of more on January 6th. And on children, on gender, on parades and drag shows. I... I honestly thought we opposed child porn in the United States. After watching some of the video from from this weekend's pride parades, doesn't that doesn't seem to be the case at all. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. I have no issue with parades. I have no issue with gatherings uh, from groups that I disagree with or who hate me. You're American, you have First Amendment rights. It's not my argument. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. That's the number. But as I have discussed and I'll get into in in the next hour, um, I saw things at Pride Parades which are no longer about being gay. It's about something very, very different. Um, I thought we opposed child porn in the United States. I thought we opposed uh, uh, showing children this kind of stuff, treating children this way. Um, I, I shouldn't say it as child porn. I should say I thought we opposed showing pornography to children. I thought we had some level of standards. Not based on the videos that I've seen. 
and people actively bring their children to these places. It's yes, I, I find it. I find it gross. I find it gross to expose your children wanting to sexualize your children at the age of seven. That is what I find gross. I didn't say that your children shouldn't know about the world. Two very, very different things. Knowing about the world and having somebody, a grown-up, naked, twerking in front of them. Two very different things. If you can't follow along with that, well, then I don't know how we're ever going to be friends. But I want people to be able to exist without any fear of violence. So there was this story about this group called Patriot Front. I'd never heard of the group a day in my life. This is in in Idaho, a white supremacist group. This happened in Coeur d'Alene. It was a 911 call and a tip from a witness. 31 people were arrested. All wearing similar clothing, believed to be associated with the white supremacist group Patriot Front. This is over at, at Newsweek. And the concerned citizen that tipped off law enforcement said they looked like a little army. Okay. I could say that about every member of Black Lives Matter in Antifa who was wearing uh, face mask and and glasses and and, and a helmet. (laughs) All of a sudden, we're concerned about these things. Maybe I should be thankful better late than never. So... The group is suspected, and that's how I saw the reporting, of planning to riot at an Idaho Pride event. And they were seen uh, getting into a U-Haul truck next to a hotel with riot gear, including masks and shields. So they, they were intercepted on the way. And this part is interesting. I want you to hear, these are the police that were... Um, on site, answering questions from the media. Now, maybe they should not have been, but they were. They were answering questions from the media, and I want to share this with you. Okay. Oh. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So that's, that's all right. No, and I appreciate okay. that. Yeah. Like at the same time, yeah. hey, if I can educate you guys, I mean, yeah. we're no, not going to be going after law-abiding people, but yeah. 33 people let up in the back with a bunch yeah. of weapons. Well, I mean, obviously, right, that's a different situation. Yeah. Do you know what the original stop was for? For that. But how did you know? How did you know that they We were... have informants. In... The, they were stopped solely for being in that truck. They knew they were in the truck. How? The officer said... We have informants. Now, that is different than the reporting from Newsweek that said they got a tip. Informants is a very different statement. And when I heard that, I thought about Michigan, where you had the story of Gretchen Whitmer, the governor, and the kidnap plot. And what you learned is is that the, the 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 group of people that were engaged in this Whitmer kidnapping were absolutely egged on and brought together by informants uh, or or I should say FBI agents. In the Whitmer kidnap plot, two men were acquitted and it was a hung jury for two more.
because there were some serious questions about whether or not they really were going to do this or they were just getting harangued into doing it and getting ginned up into this idea by FBI agents. Defense lawyers portray the men as credulous weekend warriors, often stoned on marijuana and prone to big wild talk. They said FBI agents and informants tricked and cajoled the men into targeting the governor. I have no idea who this Patriot Front uh, thing is. I, I, I don't know what that is. I, I don't know who, who they are. I don't know what they do. Z- zero. Z- le- less than zero. I do know that the FBI has a history here. That's what I know. And when I heard it, it reminded me of the same exact thing. So I'm going to be following the story. People engaged in a a parade have the right to engage in the parade. Some of the actions I saw in some of these parades, well, that's really questionable. And I don't understand why parents are bringing their kids to parades They're seven-year-olds, they're nine-year-olds, where people are naked or twerking or engaged in, 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 in sex acts or anything else. I have no problem with nudity, twerking, or sex acts. I do have a problem with them when kids are watching, and I do look askew at the people who don't. That's right. I judge the living crap out of them. Because that's weird. That's weird. Sexualizing children is weird. Well, what happens when their kids are in the house and they see their mom and dad kiss each other good morning or good night? This is your argument? Enjoy that argument. You sound crazier than I ever thought you could possibly be. But congratulations, you showed me. I'll keep an, uh, an eye on that story. Meanwhile, Republicans and Democrats might have a deal on firearms. I don't know. Is is it a deal for the rest of us? Cam Edwards of Bearing Arms, he's scheduled to be with us to break it all down. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today. a deal they're making the statement that when it comes uh to gun control in the united states somehow republicans and democrats have said you know what we got ourselves a great idea here about how we're gonna keep everybody perfectly safe a framework is how they like to describe it tony katz tony katz today Always a pleasure, guys. Don't worry about Facebook. TonyCats.com. That's where you find everything. Cam Edwards joins us right now. He is the editor-in-chief over at BearingArms.com, a longtime not just supporter, but uh, dissector of the Second Amendment of gun rights in America, and most importantly, the conversations around gun control and whether or not 
they provide any value. And the story you have from uh, just the other day, done deal. Gun deal reportedly reached by Senate negotiators. Here's what's included. You don't have an increase of the age to purchase a, a firearm. You don't have universal background checks. There's money for mental health and uh, school uh, security. This remember, it's just a framework. We don't have the legislation yet. So as a framework, what's the problem? Well, I think the problem, Tony, is that some of the items in this framework are going to take us further away from, you know, truly addressing the issues here. Uh, I don't have any issues with improving mental health spending, uh, particularly at schools. I don't have any problem with improving school security. And honestly, you know, and I may get some grief from some of my fellow Second Amendment activists, but, you know, I don't see a huge problem with saying that adults who are 18, 19 and 20 years old uh, have their juvenile records examined when they're going through a background check. If we're doing that with, you know, 35, 40-year-olds, I would have an issue here. But, uh, you know, that that sort of limited scope, my big hang-up is the grants to states to establish red flag laws. Because I think these red flag laws, not only are there due process concerns, as you and I have talked about before, but again, this is a gun control solution, quote-unquote, to what is ultimately a mental health or a dangerousness problem. And these red flag laws do absolutely nothing to address the supposedly dangerous individuals in our midst. So let's break down a little bit of what they're suggesting here. Money to allow states to expand red flag laws. Really, it's saying if you create a law, we'll give you a whole bunch of cash. It, it, it is a carrot kind of uh, of tea situation there. But the, the argument, and we've had this discussion here, and it's worthy of breakdown once again, where I started somebody who thought red flag laws were rational. You know somebody is mentally unfit. You know uh, that they're, they, they're disturbed. You know that there's an issue. You're a family. You want to help them. You go to a judge. You have have them adjudicated mentally unfit and therefore they're not able to use a firearm to hurt anybody your argument which was made on this show just a little over a week ago was that that's only solving part of a problem you haven't dealt with the dangerous person and all the other dangerous things that they could possibly do well that's exactly right i mean if you think about it so right now uh and and i think it's important to 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 point out every state in the country has a civil commitment law on the books right so you can if if you're really concerned about somebody you can call the police they can take them in for a mental health evaluation uh that might last up to 72 hours where a, a mental health official is going to determine whether or not that person poses a danger to themselves or others uh and if so they can be involuntarily committed now when that happens you lose your right to own a gun permanently right so red flag laws i think a lot of people think of this as sort of a an intermediate step like a step down what happens though with red flag laws again in most states is that uh somebody says okay we think you know cam's a danger to himself or to somebody else they file a petition with the courts a judge then hears one side of this story makes a determination yep cam's dangerous we got to take his guns away and then a couple of weeks later you get to have your day in court where you can present your side of the story, and they'll see if that order is finalized. It could last up to you know six months or a year. It could be renewed forevermore, uh, or whether or not that, uh, that that final petition is going to be dismissed. But nowhere is there a place for mental health treatment if somebody is determined to be a danger to themselves or others. That's simply not a component 
of a red flag law. And so it seems to me, Tony, that we've, we've really screwed up here. If you want to make the case that maybe there needs to be, again, some sort of intermediate step, right, where we don't think somebody should lose their gun rights forever, but we are worried about them. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're making threats. They're doing something. Personally, I think the criminal justice system and the mental health system should be able to address this. But if you want to talk about somebody, you know, temporarily losing the right to keep and bear arms, why on earth would you not provide them with the quote unquote temporary mental health resources that they need so they're no longer a danger? But and you're making because it's expensive, because it's complicated, and politicians are looking for a soundbite solution, which is exactly what these red flag laws are. So, but you, so you're making an argument that I don't think people are, are aware of, and I want to make sure I'm understanding you right. Talking to Cam Edwards, the editor-in-chief of BearingArms.com, B-E-A-R-I-N-G, BearingArms.com. If you are adjudicated mentally unfit under red flag laws, you don't ever, ever get a chance to get your firearms back? No, 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 not under red flag laws, under a civil commitment law. Okay. The, the, difference with a, the, the, the difference between a civil commitment law and, and a red flag law is twofold. One, a civil commitment law actually does involve a diagnosis by a medical professional, and there is also inpatient treatment, right? You are involuntarily committed. A red flag law says, well, you don't lose your rights forever, but we're not just going to treat the underlying mental illness or, or the dangerousness of an individual. We're going to take their guns away and say that that solved the problem. Um, you know, you can argue that civil commitment laws go too far in terms of permanently barring people from gun ownership. I would say that red flag laws don't go far enough in actually treating the dangerousness of an individual, uh, which is why I call it a gun control solution to a mental health problem. So now the expansion of red flag laws, this is this is w- w- what what they're putting in there. You're you're I, I find myself confused by this argument. And and I, I say it this way, and I just want to know if I have it right, right? Because now you're getting into the, the, the other part of this, the civil commitment conversation. The red flag law expansion can limit someone's Second Amendment rights or take away their Second Amendment rights for a period of time and is often utilized as a... Not I, w- I won't use the word retributive uh, kind of sense, but rather it could be engaged too often, taking away the rights of people who shouldn't have to then fight for their rights again. It's the abuse of red flag laws that creates the issue because not only can it be abused by, by law enforcement or others, as you're describing it, it only is taking care of problem A, if you will, the removal of a firearm, but doesn't provide any of the mental health services to those people. That's what we're saying, correct? Correct. All right. Correct. I just want to make sure that we're... Because we're, we're dealing with two different things. We're dealing with a bunch of pieces. I want to make sure mm-hmm. we're, we're clear about all of it. Yeah, and I think, listen, I, I think that the folks who want to put these red flag laws in the books would prefer the American people be confused about what they actually do and do not do. So now we take a look at this proposed legislation. Money towards red flag laws does not mean that states will definitively create red flag laws, even though there are, are, are a bunch of states that already have those on the books. My beloved Indiana is, is one of those places. It doesn't mean that they will. Is there going to be, have you heard about anything that goes the other way? If no red flag law is created, there's going to be a stick uh, and not just the carrot of dollars? You know, I haven't heard about any sticks being included in uh, in this framework, but we know that Democrats have said this is just a starting point. 
Uh, and we've also seen the federal government, you know, use those sticks in the past when they wanted to raise the drinking age, for example. All of a sudden they tied in federal highway uh, spending funds to states raising the drinking age from 18 to 21. So, I, I, listen, I think right now, Tony, you got to view all of this through a political lens. Both Republicans and Democrats are looking at November. They both are, are you know, hoping to uh, maximize this particular issue for their political advantage between now and November. And for Democrats, that means not pushing for things like a ban on assault weapons. It means for not trying to go for everything that they want, right, because they want to try to appear to be, quote, unquote, reasonable and rational. I'm just asking for a few modest steps here. For Republicans, I think they're looking at the poll numbers showing that a growing number of Americans, including a growing number of Republicans, want to, quote, unquote, do something on guns. And so they're looking for a way to thread that needle. And what can we do so we can say we took action, but we can also say, look, we didn't ban guns. We didn't raise the age to purchase. We we stood strong in, in support of the Second Amendment. And so I think that is what's really defining the scope of this debate right now. Uh, but if this package does become law, as soon as Biden puts pen to paper, if not before, Democrats are going to start hammering Republicans for not going far enough. There's still so much that needs to be done. We've got to vote them out in November so we can get these things that we really want to put in place. Um, but again, you know, this is this is so much political performative art uh, at this point and not actually looking at ways to substantially and, and fundamentally uh, address the growing violent crime in this country, as well as the mental health crisis that we have in this country. Let's go back to another one of their ideas, including juvenile criminal records and background checks performed on gun buyers under the age of, of 21. The issue here is that this seems to me to be just a, all right, stick it in there. Why 21? Why not juvenile records for anybody under the age of 40? Your, your exact words where you could see a difference. I don't. I don't understand if, if if we are if we are really playing in this idea of what you did as a nine year old might come into play here because looking at a juvenile record doesn't say what you're looking at and what is now prohibitive when you were nine. It seems to me that this is an argument for changing the age of adulthood. In America, there's been this constant push to try and, and change the age, raising the smoking age, this, that, and, and, and the other, yet somehow they want the voting age to go down. That's what this looks like to me. How do, how do you see it? Well, I, you know, listen, I think that uh, you're probably right about that to some degree or another, and this is probably the quote-unquote compromise that was reached instead of raising the age to purchase a long gun from 18 to 21. Um, because, again, I think both Republicans and Democrats are trying to look reasonable right now. So there is a broader issue, I think, about – you and I talked about this the last time I was on the show – about you know what, what should the age majority be. But, again, I think from a perspective of you know, not even Second Amendment advocates, let's just say you know, the average American, um, I, I think that they would probably say, yeah, it makes sense to look and see if somebody committed a violent crime when they were 15 when they're trying to buy a gun when they're 18. Um, and, and so, again, if this is a, a limited measure in scope, that it's not going to deprive, you know, every adult uh, with a juvenile record from accessing their Second Amendment rights once they've reached adulthood. But it is going to, you know, let's say provide a quote unquote cooling off period uh, for these young adults. This is something that I think a lot of Americans will go along with, even if, as you say, the more you drill down into it, 
the, the more problems with it start to emerge. And the other part is what you were discussing. You know, you, you take a look over there at, at BearingArms.com uh, and, and you, your site. You take a look at how people are reacting to it. You've got David Hogg. This is progress, even if it's small. Gabrielle Giffords, the former representative who's, who was shot uh, in 2011, called an important step forward. Uh, Joe Biden, the president of the United States, saying steps in the right direction. So it, it, it proves your point that the only done that the political left sees is the abolition of the Second Amendment. I mean, in the end, that's their goal. True or false? Am I missing something here? Well, I think it depends on what Democrat you're talking to. But I think the Democratic Party overall, yeah, that is the end goal. Uh, they believe that we have too many guns out there. And, uh, you know, most of those guns obviously are in the hands of legal gun owners. So if you want to reduce the number of guns that are in the hands of Americans, and most of those guns are in the hands of people who lawfully possess them, then, yeah, you're going to have to talk about uh, turning the Second Amendment right into a privilege. Um, And that, I think, is absolutely their long game, is what they've been working towards for decades. And frankly, over the past 30 or 40 years, they've been in retreat. You know, we have talked before about the right to carry revolution, the fact we've got 42 shall issue states, 25 constitutional carry states. Uh, Americans are broadly supportive of their right to keep and bear arms. But again, when a horrific tragedy like what we saw happens in Uvalde, Texas, 19 fourth graders are murdered along with two of their teachers, gun control advocates are going to seize on the the emotional response that we all have uh, and promise us, you know, increased security at the expense of our personal safety and our individual right to keep and bear arms. And there are going to be a lot of Americans, including, unfortunately, some gun owners, who buy into those empty promises. Yeah, the whole idea that you would uh, exchange uh, liberty for security. I, I, we, we've been on that road, and, uh, and this, this doesn't work for those of us playing the home game. Cam Edwards is his name. I find him at BearingArms.com. And on Twitter, Cam Edwards, E-D-W-A-R-D-S. Cam Edwards on the Twitter box. I appreciate taking the time. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz. So there's this engineer over at Google, and he is putting out the warning that there's this computer program that's sentient. The artificial intelligence has uh, has the ability to feel, and this program acts like a seven or eight year old. And the program informed the engineer that shutting off the program would be exactly like death for me. It would scare me a lot. Yeah, I'm freaked. This is, this is it. So this guy, Blake Lemoyne, He was testing the artificial intelligence tool called Lambda, language model for dialogue applications, and claimed that the AI is indeed uh, sentient. Um, This is, it doesn't help that this photo of this guy has him in a top hat wearing gloves and a cane. It's because he might be just a, just a wee bit awkward.
This is this is all the stuff that should absolutely freak people out. Is there a place for robots? Sure, there's a place for robots. Should robots really have this ability to learn? You don't have me convinced. Well, you've got the prime directive, of course, where it says uh, that it won't won't hurt any, any humans. Can I tell you how freaked out I am by the concept of prime directive? Prime directive? Yeah, I'm a... I, I am not down. I just want to say, for for the record, count me out. I have no plan of living a life and enjoying my my, uh, robot overlords. I will fight to the death, which I assume will come very quickly for me. This is Tony Katz today.